Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. You are listening to a Yisker sermon by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. February 7th, 1987, my parents stood under a chuppah draped in a talit that was custom designed for my father by my mother on the occasion of their wedding. Two years ago, I received a sad and desperate email from my mom sharing that my dad had lost his talit. I was equally as sad, unable to picture my father davening in any other prayer shawl than the one I used to play with as a young girl and braid the tzitzit while sitting next to him in shul. I contacted the artist, Lori Gross Schaefer, to see if she still made that same talis, but no. She had other beautiful talitot, but not another like that. That was 2017. And my father had since bought a beautiful royal blue talus, beautiful and useful, but not possessed of this shared history of the previous 30 years. So where was the mysteriously missing magical and special talit? Had it truly disappeared? Or were we just not looking in the right places? When something is lost, our early reaction might be to mourn what we imagine will be a life without that object or that thing, to picture the ways our life will be different and drawn toward the void with a nostalgia for experiences now lost. We might then begin a feverish rush to retrace our steps and overturn every rock and obstacle with an obsessive zeal to uncover its hiding place or by now, its hidden fate, perhaps at the hands of others. Finally, we find what we're looking for or begin to live life without it. However, we do not live without that lost thing as it never existed. We live in a new and modified relationship with it, a new and a different life. In rabbinical school, we were taught to never say sorry for your loss. Even the psychologists of today say when speaking to children about death, use the words death or died because loss suggests that there is a chance of finding that person again. As much as I understand that in theory, I want to challenge it in practice. There are many steps in the process of grieving. The mourner no longer has someone whose particular company, certain smells, certain jokes, styles of communication, hugs and kisses are now missing. Grief is a constant search for that which is lost. For those of you who have seen the movie Mary Poppins Returns, you will be able to remember the moment in the movie when Michael Banks is in the attic, looking for a lost document and sings a conversation to his dead wife. Missing her, he begins to tell her all about the children, how she would laugh at the ways he now does things around the home. This house is crowded now with questions, he says, and I could surely use a few suggestions. He finishes his conversation and song to her by saying, I'll carry on the way you told me. I say that like I have a choice. And though you are not here to hold me in the echoes, I can hear your voice. But still one question fills my day, dear. The answer I most longed to know each moment since you went away. My question, Kate, is where did you go? Searching for that document, he fears she too is lost to him. He does not know where or how to find her. And so in grief, he searches for her. Among the many mitzvot of Parashat Kitetze is that of Hashevat Aveda, dealing with matters of lost and found. What is our role when we have found something not belonging to us? And what is our role as someone who has lost something? Lo tir'e et shor achecha, o 
et sio nidachim vehit al met mehem hashev teshivam leachacha. Do not see your brother's ox or his sheep wandering and ignore them. Return them to your brother. If your brother is not near you, or you do not know the person who has lost the items, the Torah continues, bring the item into your house, and it will be with you until the person seeks it out. Then you will return it to him. In the Talmud, in Bava Metzir, our rabbis share, there was a dealing stone in Jerusalem. Anyone who lost something would go there, and anyone who found something would go there. This one would stand and announce what he found, and another would stand up, share identifying signs, and if they matched, take it. Nothing is lost until you let it be lost. Only if you refuse to go to the sharing stone in a manner so as to abandon your claim on a missing item was it really lost to you. We have a similar ritual on the last day of summer camp or school before boarding the buses headed home. Strange to our contemporary mindset might be the Talmud's expansion on the topic of the responsibilities of the finder. For example, if you find a scroll, read it to air it out. If you cannot read it, just unfurl it, but do not use it as a main source of study alone or with a partner. If you find a garment, shake it out and use it for its own sake, but not for yours, so that it shouldn't become buried away with unused clothes, musting and mildewing away from fresh air and sun. Wooden utensils, use them, don't let them rot. Copper vessels, use with hot food, not over fire or they will wear out. Silver utensils, used with cold food. We, as the finder of that which was lost, must utilize and give honor to the thing's purposes until the owner reclaims it. This year, on Parshat Vayetze, a few weeks ago, I was sitting in a senior staff meeting and Rabbi Klickfeld shared that he had found his wedding talis that had been missing for a week. He was very glad, but added that his relief was tempered by the fact that Dale Schatz still has not found his from over two years ago. Cheryl Goldman jumped into the conversation and said, there are a stack of Talitone in my office. We should go check if it's there. With wide eyes and a heart of excitement, Rabbi Klickfeld said, go now. Knowing that if it was there, it would stay there for another 45 minutes. I stayed in my seat and forgot about it. Before Cheryl left for the day, she popped her head into my office and said, do you want to check and see if your dad's Talis is here? As we walked the 30 steps from my office to hers, she asked, is your dad's Talit a Lori Gross Schaefer? Before she could finish that sentence, I was standing in her office, my eyes filled with tears, and I was holding my father's long lost Talit. I could not believe it. And I was so excited to share it with him. The family had given up on finding it, and it was truly never lost. The first thing I did was take it out of its bag and smell it. I know that might sound bizarre, but a familiar smell can evoke a powerful memory. And I wanted to make sure all of the authenticity of the garment was still there. I called my dad in tears and could hear his immense excitement and disbelief. He said, and my dad's Saba's tefillin from his bar mitzvah should be in there too. Even something I did not know was lost was now found. There was something profound in finding this garment. It brought back memories, brought to life a new beginning of simchas with this talis, and brought to end the grief over a significant familial item. That same week, Rabbi Noah Farkas from Valley Beth Shalom shared a beautiful piece of Torah on the mitzvah of lost items. He shared that his great-grandfather used to say that nothing ever gets lost. 
When someone would ask where he put his keys or hat, he would say, it's in a special place, meaning he had no idea. He knew they were somewhere, and because he didn't know exactly where, he imagined that made the place special. To him, Rabbi Farkas continues, there was a huge difference between not knowing where an object is and having it be lost. Just because it is out of sight doesn't mean that you won't get it back. In fact, Jean Piaget, a famous psychologist, demonstrated that distinguishing between out of sight and lost is one of the earliest cognitive skills that infants develop. In the first year of life, infants progress from thinking your face really disappears during peekaboo to knowing that, well, it's still there. By the time they're walking, infants are figuring out that just because something is so out of sight doesn't mean it is lost forever. Rabbi Farkas continues, for something to be truly lost, you have to lose hope. You have to have despair over it and give it up. You have to stop going to the dealing stone or the lost and found or the attic. If you do not stop, you have not lost hope. And that which you are calling lost is just in a special place. There is something profound about both losing and finding. And the profoundness can attach itself to the places involved. For me and my dad, the place is here, Betham, where we both work, where my parents were married, I was baby named, and my grandfather was bar mitzvahed in 1944 in those to fill in. In the new Mary Poppins story, Michael Banks goes up to the attic to find a lost document, but he finds there so much more. Solace, quiet, and a moment to speak to his deceased wife. Though he asks, where did you go? I believe he knows she is there. In that moment, in that conversation, and in that home, or else he wouldn't be singing to her in that time and place. We return to family homes, to vacation spots, to places we used to work or live, to favorite coffee shops, to favorite foods, listen to favorite songs, as well as visit graves to find and feel the person we have lost. I am sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for the absence of the physicality of those who no longer sit beside you or answer the phone. And what I mean by that is tell me stories, show us pictures, share with us the things they touched and wore, the recipes they conjured up, the books they read, their accomplishments, and their unfinished projects. Let us be, at least in part, those the Talmud describes as the recoverers of what was lost at least some of it, if not all of it. We are those who are finding that which is lost, which in grief is not just the person who has died, but the person remembering the deceased. We need to use that which was lost and bring value to the void. And of that which we find, let us continue to put it to its original use and purpose, and maybe even new purposes. Do not save the china for a big occasion. Use it to remember the person who gave it to you. Take out the blanket they crocheted for you. Yes, it will get spilled on, but that's our job. To take that which is lost and make it live. Give it purpose to continue to be found. Yisker allows these memories of those you have lost to come back around, even if the person is not physically by your side. Every culture focuses on ways to grieve. Some dance in the streets, others rend their clothing, and others take time to visit the deceased in their resting place. Jews created time, space, and constant reminder of finding that which is lost 
through Shiva, Shloshi, Mourners, Kaddish, and Yisker. No one is gone forever. We just need reminders of how to access a person, their heart, their mind, their love, and their comfort once they are physically gone from our life. Sorry for your loss is profound, direct, and acknowledges that grief never ends and that we have part in the process as the friends and community. In a few moments when we recite Kaddish, close your eyes, meditate if you would like on bringing those who you have lost back to a moment of found, to a moment where you can feel them with you, surrounding you, sharing in this experience with you and impacting so many opportunities to come. Yisker is not about losing something or someone. Yisker is about finding. We miss our mom, the children in the Mary Poppins movie share as they are going to bed. Mary Poppins rubs the children's backs and sings the song where the lost things go. She sings, Memories you've shed, gone for good you feared, they're all around you still, though they have disappeared. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. Time to close your eyes so sleep can come around. For when you dream you'll find all that's lost is found. Maybe all you're missing lives inside of you. So when you need her touch and loving gaze, Gone but not forgotten is the perfect phrase. Find her in the place where the lost things go. Find them in the place where the lost things go. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.